Hey guys, good morning and welcome to Life Church X, where we exist to raise up game changers. I'm so excited that you're able to tune in with us today for our Easter service. Easter, man, the biggest Sunday of the year for churches, and you're here with us online. That excites me. If you were with us last Sunday, you know that we celebrated Palm Sunday together, which is also referred to commonly as the triumphal entry. It's the week before the crucifixion of Jesus when he rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, coming in as they were laying palm branches on the road in front of him, declaring that he was going to be the Savior. And they were expecting him to deliver them from the oppression of the Roman Empire and become a military king. Yet at the same time, Jesus was up to something different. He was coming to deliver them from their sin and from their bondage that they entered the world in, and he was coming to be the king that would give them eternal life. They had no idea how big God's plans were in those moments. We talked about last week how Jesus is always up to so much more than we can think or see. And I want to encourage you with that again this morning, that right now, Jesus is up to more in your life than you can possibly see or know. I hope that that builds your faith. So as we dive in this morning to talk about the Easter story, frankly, the greatest story that's ever been told, I wanted to take a fun approach to this with you today. I hope that that's okay. Uh, What I want to do is I want to ask you a few questions in the form of, did you know? In fact, that'll be the title of our Easter message, did you know? And there's going to be five things that I want to ask you that are just amazing elements of the Easter story that possibly can get overlooked when we read through this each year. I actually had to narrow this down to five from a list that I had of close to 30 different points that were, to me, fascinating elements of this story as you read through the four Gospels and account for all the amazing things that happened just during this week between Palm Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus. So before we dive in, let's pray. Father, we just ask you in Jesus' name to help each and every one of us, God, see you more clearly today than we've ever seen you before. Help us to hear your word, to encourage our soul. I pray that you would just speak through me and use me, God, as your instrument here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so the first question is, did you know that Jesus sweat blood? that Jesus sweat blood. Now, I'm not talking about figuratively as like an exaggerated expression. We use those kind of things all the time. I'm talking about literally Jesus sweat blood. We know that. The Bible tells us that. He actually sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane the night of his arrest, the evening before his crucifixion. I did a little bit of research on this a few years ago because I was interested, and I found out that there actually is a medical condition called hematidrosis when you really can sweat blood. It's when you're under such agony and such stress that the capillaries on the surface of your skin, where the sweat and the blood are kind of mixed together, when there's such agony and stress, those capillaries actually burst and the body effuses blood through the pores. That's what was happening for Jesus that night. 
And he was in the garden of Gethsemane, which is no accident because the word Gethsemane is actually two Hebrew words put together that mean oil press. Now, I've been there to the Garden of Gethsemane in Jerusalem, and there's all kinds of olive trees around there. Some of them are hundreds of years old. And they would take the olives off of these trees, and then they would press them under a press that was enormous pressure, and they would get the valuable, precious oil out of the olives when they would do that. It was a very precious commodity. So think about this. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, the oil press, He is under great agony and stress because he knows the pain that he is about ready to endure. And as he's experiencing that agony, there's actually blood that's being sweated out the pores of his skin. Man, that just blows me away when I think about this because Jesus could have have taken a different course at any point in time. I mean, he's Jesus, right? He could have done anything he wanted to do. We know that even when Peter tried to stop the Roman soldiers from arresting Jesus, he said, Peter, dude, if I wanted to, I could call down 12 legions of angels. I got this, Peter. This is what is supposed to be happening. You see, Jesus is sweating blood because he's feeling the the pressure of the moment, yet he still chooses to continue the course because he sees the reward that's in front of him for what he's about ready to do. The Bible says, for the glory that was set before him, he endured the cross. What does that mean? It means he took the pain, he took the torture for you and for me. He did it willingly, willingly, because he knew that what was going to be achieved through his suffering was a far greater outcome than the pain that he was going to endure. I love that about my Savior. Listen to this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This goes to a whole nother level because he didn't just go endure all that pain for the people that deserved it, so to speak. Right, He did it for all of us who are still in our sin, who didn't even love him yet. And the ones who would never even choose him, the ones that would reject him, he did it for them too. It was available for them too. Ah, that just blows me away to know that we could never earn this love. We could never earn this forgiveness. Jesus willingly laid down his life for you and me so that we could be brought into relationship with him. Did you know that Jesus really did sweat blood? Number two, did you know that there were three? You see, Jesus wasn't the only one on a cross on Calvary that day. There were two others. The Bible tells us that they were robbers and that one was on Jesus' right and one was on Jesus' left. You see, these thieves were guilty of their crime. They were being punished for something they actually did committed and were proven guilty of when Jesus however was completely innocent and was never proven guilty of anything to go to the cross have you ever been misrepresented mistreated accused of something you didn't do maybe slandered I just want to encourage you today Jesus can relate he knows what that feels like and one of these thieves on the cross in his final moments he says to Jesus He says, Lord, will you receive me into your kingdom today? 
his final moments, he has a penitent heart and he sees that Jesus is the son of God and he asks for him to receive him. You know what Jesus' response was? He said, surely this day you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, how I love this. The book of Isaiah says that the arm of the Lord is never too short to save. This man had moments, a number of breaths literally left before he would pass from this earth. And he chose to give his heart to Christ. And he's there in heaven with Jesus now. And those of us who go will meet him one day when we do as well. Listen, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter how much you think you've messed up, no matter how unforgivable you may think what you've done is, I promise you the, the arm of the Lord is never too short to save and you are only one moment away from asking for Jesus' forgiveness and from hearing those words from him, you will be with me in paradise too. So number two is there were three, did you know? Number three, did you know that the earth was responding you see, there were uh, things happening in the atmosphere that were indicators of this great supernatural heavenly event that was really occurring around them. The Bible tells us that from the sixth to the ninth hour, darkness covered the land. Now, that's profound when you understand Jewish time. You see, it, the day began at six in the morning. So we know Jesus went on the cross at the third hour. That's 9 a.m., and it says from the sixth to the ninth hour, darkness covered the land. So if you're tracking with me here, you know that that means from noon to 3 p.m., right in the middle of the day, yet darkness is covering the land. If they were, the Roman soldiers had to be looking around and thinking, man, something might be going on here. In fact, one of the Roman soldiers, after Jesus gave up his last breath, even said, surely this was the Son of God. In addition to darkness covering the earth for those three hours, it also says there was a massive earthquake. The ground shook, and when it did, a couple of amazing things happened. Again, this is an incredible story, right? Well, one of the things that happened, it says that the graves of the saints were opened up, and those, those who had already died were seen walking around the city of Jerusalem after Jesus was resurrected. Now, there's a story in Luke chapter 16 where Jesus speaks about a place called Abraham's bosom. I don't have time to get into this whole thing today, but I'll tell you that in the fall of 2018, I did a message series called What the Hell, where I spoke around this uh, in a deep way. You can find that message series on our website if you'd like to check it out. But this place of Abraham's bosom was a place where departed spirits, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that there were those who died in faith, believing in God, believing in the coming promise of a Messiah. They died in faith, and those people were in a place, I fully believe that the Bible makes this clear, in a place called Abraham's bosom. And so when Jesus died, gave up his spirit, the earth quaked, the graves were open. Jesus actually went and released those spirits from the place of Abraham's bosom and then took them with him when he entered into the heavenly courts and into the abode of God. We know that scripture tells us that no soul could enter into heaven until they were cleansed of the blood. There was never a way that could be made for them to get there. So this makes perfect sense 
and explains it well that they were in Abraham's bosom and then went into the heavenly abode with Jesus. And that's why the graves were burst open and there's people seen walking around the city. Can you imagine that? Seeing people that you knew were dead walking around the city and then they depart from you? Unbelievable story. But then we go on. It says that the veil of the temple was torn in two. Now, what is the veil? It's this huge curtain that would separate the Holy of Holies and the temple of God, where the Ark of the Covenant was, the tablets of the Ten Commandments. It was known to be the place where the presence of God was dwelling in that temple. The curtain or veil separated people from going back there because they did not have access to it. Only the high priest could go back there on one day a year called the Day of Atonement. So access into the presence of God was not allowed. However, God's sending a very clear message to us that when Jesus died and satisfied the requirement for the redemption of our sin, the veil was torn. Jewish historians say the veil is four inches thick, somewhere between 45 and 60 feet tall. Horses tied to the ends of it could not rip it if they pulled at it and tried to tear it apart. Yet somehow it was ripped from top to bottom. When the earth shook, God sent a message and said that the presence of God is now being opened up and access into his presence is now being granted and made available to all who would put their faith in Christ. Man, this is one of the greatest things in my life, I can tell you, is knowing the presence of God in my daily walk. It's not a theory. It's not an ideology. It's not something that I just read about. It's something that I experience every single day in my intimate walk with my loving Heavenly Father. Jesus is my best friend. I know him well, and it's because access into his presence has been made for me through the blood of Jesus that's made me clean. Man, I hope that you're getting this today. Number four is that did you know Jesus left something on the cross? He left something on the cross. You see, when criminals were crucified, a lot of times they would write out their crimes on a list and they would nail them to their cross. So when people would come by, they could see what these criminals had done, the crimes that they had committed and this punishment was justified. They were paying the penalty for their crimes, and everyone could see that. Well, listen to this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says, When we were dead in our sin and in the uncircumcision of our flesh, God made us alive with Christ. He forgave us our sins, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. You see, we're all born into the world with a debt that we can't pay. Only one person could pay this debt, and that was Jesus himself. And this is what it says happened, that he took away that indebtedness, that condemnation, and he nailed it to the cross. Nailed it to the cross and left it there. You see, when we give our lives to Christ and he forgives us, the Bible says he forgives our sin as far as the east is from the west. We are made white as snow. He blots out our sin, and God doesn't see it anymore when he looks at us. Folks, this is huge to grasp because so many people live their lives in a place of shame and condemnation. 
They carry their old sins and their old baggage around like it never leaves them and they never feel worthy. They never feel like they deserve anything from God and they see themselves through the taintedness of this sin in their past. When in fact, in reality, when we've been made clean by the blood, God looks at us. He doesn't see that sin anymore. He sees the blood of Jesus and he sees that we deserve to be in his presence because we've been made righteous by the blood. Oh man, there's such security in living your life knowing that about your identity. When you get a revelation about who you are in Christ and how God sees you and how he's forgiven you of your sin from your past, you'll walk with your head up high. You'll walk in confidence knowing that you're a child of God and there's nothing this world can do to shame you or condemn you or take that from you. Man, I pray today that those of you who are listening to this message know what that security, that peace from that identity feels like in your daily life. Number four, did you know that Jesus left something on the cross? Number five, did you know that there were many sightings? There were many sightings, meaning Jesus, after he died on the cross and he was buried in the tomb, that he was resurrected from the dead, and there were many that bore witness to the resurrection. You see, this isn't just a theory. This isn't some story. There's actual historical evidence of multitudes that saw the risen Christ. You see, we know that the Bible tells us that Mary Magdalene and another Mary were the first to arrive at the tomb on the third day after the crucifixion. Today, Easter, we celebrate this, the resurrection of Christ. They came to the tomb, and there was a stone that was over the tomb. These were giant stones that were the size of several men, probably over a 1,000 pounds, giant heavy stones, and the stone had been rolled away. It tells us that when this happened, there was another earthquake that actually occurred. A lot of people miss that one. There was a second earthquake because an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled the stone away. It says that he sat down on the thing after he rolled it away. Dude was so wore out for the big stone, he had to sit down on top of, the, on top of it and take a break, a breather. I don't think that's true. But anyway, it did say that he sat down on top of the stone. And when the Marys showed up, this is what I love. The angel said, why are you here? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. And these three words should echo in your heart today. He is risen. He is alive. You see, this is the essence, guys, of the Christian faith is that Jesus, yes, he suffered, yes, he died, but he rose from the grave, was resurrected, he defeated death, he defeated the grave, and he took away its sting. It's the essence of the Christian faith because of those of us who believe in Christ know that death in this world is not the end. It's not permanent. That we have a glorious future awaiting us in eternity in paradise with Jesus after this. There's nothing that the world can do to rob us of that. Jesus has defeated the grave and those of us who are in Christ have victory over death as well. It's lost its sting. Guys, this is the hope 
that anchors our souls, living every day, knowing we're headed to a better place after this temporary life, knowing that our loved ones, our family members, our friends who also are in faith in Christ will be together in eternity for all of the age. Man, that's what it's all about, living from that assurance of your salvation. Did you know that there were many sightings? Look, if this isn't true, then what do we have to stand on? The Apostle Paul even says it this way. He says, look, if Christ isn't risen from the dead, if he didn't really raise from the grave, then everything we're preaching is pointless, and we, of all men, are most pitiable. And I would say the same thing. If Christ isn't really risen from the grave, then everything I've devoted my life to is for naught. However, if Jesus really did raise from the grave, I'll challenge you with this. If he really did raise from the grave, then everything he said is absolutely true. Every promise he made, everything he says about who you are, about what you have in him, about what your future looks like, everything he said is 100% true. Because if he raised from the grave, then he truly was the son of God. He really was the Messiah, and he really did defeat death. And then we embrace everything of his teachings and of his words wholeheartedly as 100% truth. Man, that's powerful. And that's so important because if Jesus is risen from the grave, there is no news that's more important that anyone in the world needs to hear than that right there because that answers the question of where do I go and what happens after this life? It answers the question of why am I here and what is my purpose anyway? Your purpose can only be found in the author of that purpose, Jesus Christ himself. And so I'll close with a bonus, did you know? Did you know? that Jesus Christ suffered and died and rose from the grave so that you could be saved, so that you could live in heaven for all of eternity with him, so that you could have a relationship with him here and now. Jesus died for you to have that. That's what this story is all about. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. And I pray today, that you are truly with open ears and open heart hearing that story right now. If you're ready to receive Christ into your life, or maybe you've turned from him and you want to get back to walking with him, just invite him into your heart right now. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I turn from the life I've known. I turn entirely to you. I surrender to you. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Come in and dwell with me and help me to become the person that you've created me to be. When you make that decision, God sends his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. You are born again. You are made alive in Christ in the very presence of God by the person of the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the temple not made with human hands, our human bodies. He will dwell with you and he will be the assurance of your salvation and entrance into heaven after this life. God bless you. I'm praying that you and your family have a wonderful Easter Sunday. 
that the peace and the joy of God would just erupt and swell in your homes today, that you would know the love of the Lord and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God bless you and have an awesome day.